1: know me from the Blazer's Edge podcast, which I co-host weekly with Dan Morang. This is the first episode of a new podcast. It's called Women's Hops and Talks, and we're going to be elevating the voice of women in basketball. Before I go on, let's introduce, I want to introduce my co-host, Kendall. You want to tell people a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah. So I am a, currently a college student. I'm a junior at Ithaca College, just in kind of central upstate New York. Uh, So I'm very far away from Blazers, but I'm originally from Portland, so obviously, by nature, I have to be a Blazers fan. Um, And I am currently studying television and radio with a sports production concentration. And uh, yeah, I have a goal of kind of working in the NBA, working in the media side, and this is kind of my first step in kind of getting in that field a little bit. And I'm very excited to be co-host of this, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: I'm really looking forward to uh, working with you. I'm not going to say you're young enough to be my daughter, but I've done <laughs> the math and it could happen. <laughs> uh, but I also I think we're going to bring uh, you a know, different lens to some of our discussions. But you're also located on the East Coast. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm always curious about what people in different parts of the country are thinking about things that we share in common. So um, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to hearing more about kind of like what the East Coast bias is about some things, yeah. you know, so keep your ears to the ground. And okay. anytime you're like you know walking down the street out there in upstate New York, and you hear people talking about the Blazers, you gotta get me let me know what they're talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> well, so uh, in the spirit of getting to know each other a little bit, and how, so the the listeners can learn more a little bit about us, um, who was your favorite trailblazer when you were growing up?
2: Oh, growing up. Um, hmm. Well, I actually. I didn't really start following the Blazers until I was a little bit older. I went to some games when I was younger, but I didn't actually really pay attention to Mm -hmm. who the players were. Um, Once I started paying attention more, um, I always really loved Robin Lopez. Mm -hmm. He was kind of the one that um, I loved watching him on and off the court. Uh, I would say more currently, obviously, um, I love Damon CJ, but I think I have to go with Mo Harkless. I've always... I've always loved Mo. I was very scared all summer that they were going to trade him. And uh, I was upset uh, because he was always involved in trade talks. But I'm glad that he's here. Hopefully he stays uh, for as long as we can keep him. And, yeah, I would definitely have to say currently Mo is my favorite.
1: Awesome. How about favorite player, like, in the NBA at large? I mean, obviously the Blazers are going to be your very favorite. (laughs) But there's a lot of really cool basketball players in the NBA.
2: Yeah, so I'm actually a huge DeMar DeRozan fan. Um, I I love watching him play. Um, He's another one, obviously. I love on and off the court. Um, I just I think his playing style is just so much fun to watch. Obviously, they call him like the king of the of the mid range and all that. And I just I think he he kind of reminds me of like. or it's kind of he kind of has an older playing style, and I really like watching that, especially in the world of the NBA now, where it's all about three pointers. I love that he can still go out there and score fifty points without even attempting a three. So yeah, I love watching him, and I think he's incredible.
1: That's awesome. Did you play sports uh, growing up?
2: Yeah, I um, I was really big into um, soccer and softball growing up. I actually never played basketball. Funny enough. Um, so i really small, and I was always – i basketball never interests me as far as playing it. I would play with my brother in the backyard, but I never competed and played. Uh, but I played soccer. I Soccer was kind of my main thing, and I stuck with that for a really long time. But as I got older, it kind of turned into more covering sports rather than playing it. But I still definitely love going out there and, and playing and doing anything I can, uh, just not – as competitive as it used to be.
1: No, you're a, a sports broadcasting major, is that right?
2: No, so I'm actually, I'm a television and radio major, so it's, um, which is very broad at my school, but I have a sports production concentration. So basically, I learn about, kind of the video side of sports. So covering sports, I do a lot of filming of sports and uh, sports photography and all of that. Um, I, like I work for our football team and I film for them and I've done stuff for the athletic department, shooting highlight reels and different things like that. So I'm kind of in that side of it more so.
1: What interested you about for sports? Like what, like, was that something that, you know, you did in high school? Were you on the new school newspaper or anything or how, what draw, draw draws you to that?
2: Yeah, so I actually came into college wanting to be, like, a TV director, um, and that, that's why I'm a television uh, major, and I kind of got thrown into shooting sports, because um, I was the multimedia editor for my school newspaper in college, I started doing it, and I was the only person, on, kind of in the multimedia section, that really knew sports, so I kind of automatically got put into filming, and I very quickly just fell in love with it, uh-huh. and that kind of started getting me more into, obviously, I've always watched sports and been really into it. But that got me looking deeper into sports and getting more into looking at kind of the business side and more of the media stuff. And trying to get out there and shoot as much as I could. And I just I fell in love with it instantly. And immediately just was like, Nope, I need to work in sports. I need to do this. And I because I loved it so much so fast. I'm like, I know this is what I have to be doing.
1: So do you do, uh, like live interviews of the athletes at your school as well, or cover any sports in that way, or do you do mostly like the, the video production and stuff like that?
2: Yeah. So, um, when I was the multimedia editor, we would do video packages where we would, would do interviews. Um, I'm not really a trained journalist, so Mm -hmm. my interviews weren't always the greatest. Um, I definitely was better on the video side of just getting highlights and that type of stuff. Um, but as far as what I do now, I don't typically, I'm not doing interviews. I'm really just, uh, shooting, going out there and shooting and stuff.
1: Doing all that behind the scenes stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Can't wait to like hear about some of the more of the stuff that you get to do. Um, mm-hmm. so if you had a signature basketball move, you could have any, say you could have any signature basketball move, what would it be? Mm-hmm.
2: Signature move. Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, this might be a little cheesy, but um, I've always the thing that I always remember about players is what they do at the free throw line. All of the the sh- like the, the shimmies and the different things like that. I always find those are really funny, and I and it's not as as glamorous as maybe some of the big guys who are dunking all the time and have like big moves like that. But I've always I've always found those the the funniest things to watch and the most entertaining. So I think I would probably want to do I don't know what it would be, but it would have to be something clever when I go to the line.
1: That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. When you figure it out, we gotta do some video of it so we can okay. we can learn about it. My okay. signature move, if I was gonna have a signature move, I would be the person who throws the lob for the alley oops. Cause alley oops are my absolute favorite but there's no way on earth I would ever be able to do them myself but I I played soccer too and nothing gave me more pleasure than getting an assist I mm-hmm. loved 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 getting an assist that was more fun to me than getting a goal because you just if I got a goal it was like because I was shooting it at somebody and I just shot it so badly that it went in <laughs> so <laughs> I like I really want to be the person who like throws the alley-oop that somebody else like slams in that would be mine mm-hmm.
2: yeah that's a dead one
1: Last question, if you were an NBA player, who do you think mm-hmm. you would most be like?
2: So, when you first uh, asked me this question, I had no idea, and I thought about it for a very long time, could not come up with anything, so I called in some of my friends who are bit NBA fans and asked them, and I actually had two different people say Paul George, or not Paul George, Chris Paul, sorry, uh-huh. um, we were talking about Paul George earlier, so yeah. something like uh, Chris Paul, which um, One of my friends described as uh, the reasoning was because I'm small and I'm fun off the clock, but when I'm working, um, I'm very, that no BS and I work really hard. And he said, you're also generally very um, authoritative. So I guess Chris Paul, probably. um,
1: So if I'm like slacking off, are you going to come and like start jumping on my back and getting all mad at me for like not paying (laughs) attention? (laughs) No, no, no.
2: No, That's maybe, funny. maybe I'm not quite as intense as Chris Paul can be, but um, I like to think, I. my first thought was kind of more of a C.J. McCollum, where obviously he's an extremely hard worker and, and performs very well, but he is kind of known for being goofy and and um, very lighthearted and stuff, but I feel like I have a good balance between the two, so I'd say kind of a Chris Paul and C.J. McCollum mix. <laughs>
1: that sounds good. Well, we're going to be uh, getting together a couple times a month, and uh, we're going to be talking to women who are connected to basketball. I'm so excited. We've got some really great uh, interviews lined up with uh, people who talk about sports, people who cover sports, uh, just some super fans. We're going to do it a couple of months, and our f- or a couple times a month. Our first interview is today going to be with Jamie Hudson, who covers the Portland Trailblazers with NBC Sports Northwest. She hosts The Scoop which is like the pregame show her official title is uh digital host reporter for nbc sports northwest so uh here we go uh to talk to jamie we're super excited to have this conversation it's really fun and i hope uh i think the viewers are really going to get to enjoy learning more about jamie hudson from uh nbc sports northwest it's a great interview So, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. It's really it's an honor to have you on the show. You are the first guest of Women's Hops and Talks. We're so happy you could make time for us. There's no game tonight, but, like, do you ever have a night off when it's basketball season? <laughs> yeah, well, first of
0: all, thank you guys for having me. I'm super pumped to be on your guys's podcast. Um, and no, Tara, not really. Like tonight, I'll be um, writing a game preview for tomorrow's game. So and I'm like prepping for the show tomorrow. So but that's what I love about the season is like, it's just nonstop.
1: Well, so as a digital host reporter for NBC Sports Northwest, you wear a lot of hats and do a lot of things. Can you tell us about some of the different types of jobs that you do?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny, Tara, because obviously I know, like, Fans can see the scoop when I host that, but you know, there's so many other things. Like I'm, I'll be tweeting from the NBC Sports Northwest account, but you, you would never know. Like who does that, you know? So sometimes that'll be me, or sometimes I'll be editing video, um, going to the practice facility and covering the Blazers' practice. I mean, it's kind of funny how many different jobs you have as uh, in the digital world, especially with social media just exploding, right? So. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of different duties because I sometimes get asked like, oh, do you actually work 40 hours a week? And I'm like, oh, actually, during the season, it's like more than that. You know, it's not just hosting a live stream, even though that is my favorite part. Um, (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of different um, responsibilities.
1: Yeah. I, I You must do so much prep work. Just doing a one hour podcast once a week is a lot of work. So I don't know how you managed to do all those things at the same time. It's amazing. Well, I <laughs> want to start back and get to know you a little bit because we see you, like you said, you know, on Facebook live doing shows all the time, mm-hmm. but you're always so busy giving us up to date on what's going on with the blazers. We don't know a lot about you. So uh, how did you come to be associate, like be a sports reporter? Where did that interest come from? Uh, yeah, so it's funny. I, growing up, I
0: grew up in a small farm town, and basically it was like you played sports, or like, I mean, or you'd be in 4 H, like, you know, you'd have your cows, like, and so I went the sports route. <laughs> um, but, anyways, I knew I wasn't going to be in the WNBA, unfortunately, uh, and I knew I didn't want to coach, Sarah, so. I decided to talk about sports, that was like the coolest thing, and thinking about getting paid to talk about sports is like awesome. Uh, so yeah, I, my senior project of high school was like a weekly show, and I remember that was so much work, but it was so awesome. So it all started in high school, actually, which
1: is crazy. So were you a basketball player? I was, yep. I was a basketball player and a volleyball player. What position did you play in basketball?
0: Um, I was a shooting guard, so I could, like, I could make the threes to tear, but, like, I'm so short and I'm so slow that I was like, okay, I'm not going anywhere
1: with this, that's for sure. So was the three-pointer your signature move? Yes,
0: and basically my only move. Like, I would never drive into the paint. I was like, nope, I'm not going to. (laughs) Do you ever get out there and shoot around with any of the blazers? Ah, no. You know, sometimes I'm like, uh, like last season I really wanted to challenge Alan Crabb, because they do that three-point shooting, or they used to. I think they still do, and it's like Harkless now, and maybe even Zach Collins pops into it, but after practice they do this three-point shooting contest, and I always wanted to, but I was like, oh, probably better not ask.
1: I just better stay over here with the media. (laughs) Well, if you ever do it, you got to tweet about it and let us know how it goes.
0: Oh, yes, I will. For sure. Even I'm I'm sure it would be really embarrassing for me, but I'm sure it'd be super fun.
1: So you are a proud Gonzaga uh, grad, as it says in your uh, Twitter bio. That's awesome. Um, Did you major in like sports reporting or what did you do to prepare for the role you're in now?
0: Yeah. Well, first off, yes, those eggs. Tara, that's, that's a good find. Um, I majored in broadcast studies with a minor in sports
1: management. So that really worked out well. So what's the hardest part of uh, covering the uh, trailblazers? I think the
0: hardest part sometimes is probably like finding a balance because being a reporter of like not being biased or, you know, just having that like, you know, you're right in the middle. As a, how do I want to explain it because obviously you get to know the players and you and you you want to root for them but you're also you're you're reporting on them so um just kind of being even kill but also mm-hmm. having fun like on my live stream I want to talk with blazer fans and I and I understand like if it was a heartbreaking loss like we've had so many this season um so it's still like having that feeling and connecting with blazer fans as i'm reporting or doing a live stream but still realizing hey i'm a journalist you know if that makes sense i can see how that would be hard it is yeah especially with social media now because i you know i like to comment and um tweet about things so yeah i mean i definitely am more of a a fan reporter especially with the scoop i guess you'd say but yeah anyways it's fun i i think that's the hardest part because there's really besides all the prep work
1: it's you know I love what I get to do, so I can't complain, Tara. (laughs) Kendall, I've been, like, totally monopolizing. Uh, (laughs) Jamie, do you have any questions
2: for her? (laughs) Oh, you're totally fine. I had to make a scene change of people walked in the office and got loud all of a sudden, so I had to to move real fast. Um, Yeah, so I know I was talking, kind of, Tara, earlier about me being um, kind of a student, kind of someone who was in your spot uh, however long ago it was, you, I mean, you're very young, so obviously not, not long ago, but kind of coming out of college, what was, yeah, uh, coming out (laughs) of college, kind of what was like your first step and like, how did you kind of, um, get into that role that you have now?
0: Oh yeah, that is a great question because it's so scary coming out of college and you're thinking, okay, so I've got my degree, what do I do now? Um, so, Fortunately for me, at Gonzaga, there was a career center, which, you know, I know, I'm sure you have a career center as well. That actually was, like, my go-to place because they connected me with a Gonzaga alum, actually here at um, NBC Sports Northwest, formerly uh, Comcast Sportsnet. And I started emailing with her, telling her what my... Hopes and dreams were, um, and she's actually was in the sales department here. So I truly believe in networking and you know talking to as many people as you can. Um, and I do think alumni love to help out, you know, current students. So and I now I have Gonzaga students coming to me and they want a job shadow, and it's it's such a great feeling thinking oh I'm I'm trying to help them. And um, so, anyways, I think reaching out to any alumni is important and so for me what happened um, I started emailing and she kind of put me in touch with the right people and I really started as what I like to call a student teacher or like a substitute teacher I should say so I started as a sub filling in for different hosts and then eventually um, was able to work my way in and there was an opening and then I was a full-time host, and so I worked out, but networking is key, and and, and taking feedback and criticism, um, because when I first, you know, auditioned, basically, um, uh, you know, you have to listen to what they liked and what they really didn't like about what you do on camera or whatever, um, and so... Just making sure that you can handle the feedback, because that was tough for me. Now I've got some tougher skin, but at first it was kind of difficult.
2: That's such great advice. Oh, thanks. Um, So something that kind of obviously we've talked about this podcast is obviously focusing on women um, in the basketball Uh, world. And being just a female journalist in general is very difficult, um, but especially in a male-dominated field like the sports world. So how do you... Like, what kind of challenges have you gotten with that and faced just being a woman in a male-dominated world, basically?
0: Yeah, no, that's a great question, Kendall. And it's funny because when Tara asked, what is the hardest part about your job, that did enter my mind. That It is difficult at times. For me, um, growing up, I was always a tomboy. And so I always, like, in my head, I was like, oh, I'm one of the boys, right? And it's funny, like, in high school, I never wore pink. I thought, no, I can't wear pink. Like, I'm on the basketball team. Um, and obviously, looking at me now, I'm really girly, and I love that. Like, I embrace that, because you can still love sports, be badass on the court, and be a woman wearing pink, wearing, you know, whatever you want. So, I, um, I think it's so important to realize that there are going to be those people out there that, um, you know, those guys out there that don't think that, you know, what you're talking about, um, but being confident is so key. And just trying to be, um, a part of the guy's world is like, um, let's see, how do I explain this? Um, being a woman in this field, you almost have to know more than the guy next to you. That's in the same position, (laughs) just because like you said, Kendall, Uh, You know, maybe they don't believe you as much because you are a woman. So I try to do even more research or extra prep just to make sure that I'm on my game.
2: Great. Yeah, that's that's kind of all I have in that field. (laughs)
1: great advice. And when you were talking about uh, job shadowing and coming on board um, as a, you know, working with a Gonzaga alumni, I couldn't help um, but thinking to ask, um, has uh, Zach Collins asked to job shadow you yet? (laughs) I'm still waiting for
0: that, Tara. Yeah.
1: That would be a really long shadow, a really tall shadow. (laughs) No kidding. Uh,
0: It's funny. Um, So in Vegas summer league, this summer, I got a chance to to cover him and, like, meet his parents. Like, we interviewed his parents. And then I'd say, like, the second day we were doing this long feature on him, I told him I was a Gonzaga alum. And he was like, oh, no way. Like, he didn't know. And uh, it's funny. I, he's like, when? And I told him the year. And then he looked at me. And I, I looked back at him. And I was like, okay, yep, I am getting older.
1: <laughs> so I won't say the year because of Zach Collins' reaction to that. Uh, but it was pretty funny. I saw that feature. That was a really great feature. I will put a link to the feature in the show notes because that was really. I you you got to spend some time with him and his friends.
0: Friends, yeah, it was really cool. It's always fun to get to know um, somebody off the court, you know. And I feel like Damian Lillard is like the best example of who lets you in, you know, when he tweets and and it's so cool to get to know them as a person, their personality. I think that's fun. Like that's what I love about social media, is just that you feel like now you're more connected to a player. Mm-hmm. other than just watching them on the court. Anyway, sorry, that's just something that popped in my head.
1: <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. I'm I'm curious, like, what it was like when you were just getting started and you would talk to somebody who was, you know, a player, like a professional player. Mm-hmm. Like, what was, like, the first, some of the early memories you had of learning how to cope in those sort of situations?
0: Um. Yeah, no, it's funny. One of the memories that always stands out when I think back to – the beginning um, is, this is actually before I had the uh, the job here at NBC Sports Northwest. Um, I was doing some, like, freelance work, so just um, a couple of jobs for some websites, and it, it was Red Carpet Talk was the name of the website. Uh, anyways, we were covering um, Brian Grant's foundation, um, Shake It Till We Make It, and it was here at the Rose Garden, well, at then Rose Garden, here at the Modestown, and um, I remember that was the first time, like, I got to meet Brian Grant and talk with him, and I was so nervous, <laughs> his, uh, but also Charles Barkley was the guy <gasps> that I had to interview, and he was, oh like, one gosh. of my very first interviews. I was freaking out, um, and he was, he was hilarious. I asked if uh, he had any advice, um, and he just said, you know, well, keep doing what you're doing and looking good. <laughs> Or something like that, very Charles Barkley like, right? But um, I remember thinking, well, he's just a person too, like he, you know, because he was very down to earth, even though it was really scary, um, to interview him and Brian Grant and a lot of other um amazing athletes that I always like look up to, right? You know. um, but then I realized they just want to talk to you, like you know, it's just a person to person, and so that actually event really helped me kind of get past all my like, um. Just nerves, I guess.
1: So it sounds like when you were first getting started, they were, uh, you know, some of the players that you got to talk to were, were helpful in helping you feel comfortable and making it a little bit easier for you. Do you feel like you're, do you ever feel like sort of in that role yourself with some of the rookies coming in? Like when, when you were covering Zach Collins and he was like brand new to the league, just drafted. Um, You know, maybe he was like super comfortable with that already. Or do you find when you meet some of the younger players, um, you're kind of taking that sort of like breaking them, helping them break in role?
0: Right. Oh, no, that that does make sense. I think nowadays because they get like, well, for example, Zach Collins, because he was in the national championship game in Final Four, he already was so um, comfortable with it because he had had to deal with so much media. Um, even before getting into the NBA, but I feel like years past, especially players that don't make it to the big dance. Like they're, if they're not in the tournament or they're not getting as much coverage. Like if they're from a smaller school, yeah, they their interviews are so short. Like you know, you know a guy that does it either one he doesn't want to talk to you or two he's like not comfortable because yeah he's like giving you two word answers which is like the hardest thing when you're a reporter and you're like trying to like ask these great questions right I've like focused on my questions and then they give you three word answers you're like oh no fail
1: (laughs) so that's always hard have you talked to um Caleb again yet
0: this year um a little bit, not not one-on-one, just when we're at Blazers practice, so it's kind of with all the other media, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, he, he's he's a great one to talk to, and uh, you know, it's so cool, his story, everyone knows it, Tara, but I love how the Blazer fans have so just embraced him, I think it's mm-hmm. so cool, and at Moda Center, whenever he checks in, they give him the, the loudest cheer, it's awesome.
1: Well, should we move on and talk about a little just bit of NBA stuff and find out what you think about what's going on in the NBA at large? Okay,
2: so you want me running run in this section? I can yeah, why
1: don't you jump in?
2: Perfect. Okay, <laughs> um, so this season so far has already been, even though we're only a few weeks in, it's already been kind of crazy. Um, so what are some of the biggest surprises so far this season for you, Jamie? For not just the Blazers, but just in general in the league? Well, I'm remembering the
0: Warriors night when they had, like, three technicals, right? Like, Draymond Green had a technical, and then Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. And, I mean, the Warriors have not been the Warriors you've been accustomed to. So that's been an interesting thing, just watching them. And I almost feel like, and you guys can jump in, do you feel like the Warriors are kind of becoming the Clippers as far as, like, complaining and and whining on the court? a bit too much because that's how I've been feeling these days
2: yeah I've actually I've had this conversation with all my friends who are NBA fans and uh-huh. um, yeah that's actually a comparison that I have a friend who makes all the time and starts <laughs> comparing them to the Clippers so yeah I definitely see that I think that um especially with Steph Curry having his habit of throwing his mouthpiece yeah. all the time too and
0: um, he really should not have a mouthpiece it's never no. in his mouth
2: <laughs> that's the way only- uh, yeah, no. um, but I think that, yeah, I think that they're kind of becoming that because they yeah. they feel like they can, and they're getting away with it for now, but we'll see how long they continue to get away with it.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I <sighs> love oh, how have... shocked—oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 go ahead, Tara. Oh, I was just saying, I love how shocked they were last year that like people didn't started to not like him as much anymore. And they were just like, but we're the golden team, you know, everybody should love us. Like, Uh you know, and now we have this one, this amazing player and now he's on our team. Like, how could you not like us? And then just a few days ago, or maybe it was even yesterday, Steve Kerr had that uh, interview where he was like, okay, I'll let you guys all tweet this. And then he sat there and he clipped his nails like that is so so annoying have you did have either of you guys seen that clip I haven't seen that yet yeah I haven't I seen that it back, oh. so. no his he was in front of the pool of reporters and he said uh, that Andre uh, Igadala was gonna start and then he uh-huh. goes I'll just wait while you all tweet that and then he pulls out his nail clippers Uh-oh. and clips his nails and with I was just like okay that's too far like people think thought it was so funny and I was just like oh that's it <laughs> You cannot get away with that. That is so snotty. <laughs> right.
0: That's funny. Another thing, you know, I was thinking is, like, what's up with the Cleveland Cavaliers? I mean, I guess you
1: lose Kyrie. Look what happens. I don't know. What were they thinking building that roster this year? I'm just trying to wrap my head around what, what were they thinking? Yeah, that's a good question, Tara.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm actually a uh... – the thing I've kind of been saying about the, the Tavs this year is people are saying like should you be worried about them and the Warriors and I've always said like no I don't think you should be worried about either because I think that both of those teams are in positions right now where they know that their seed doesn't matter if they make the playoffs they're going to make it to the finals or at least pretty much make, like they're yeah. almost guaranteed to make it so it's I feel like they just the regular season to them is just kind of a joke and it's I think that's very frustrating as just a fan too, because that's it takes away from the game itself and then the teams who the regular season is everything to them. And I think that's kinda like it's almost like disrespectful to the lead, it's to other teams and to just the fans in general. I think it's kind of a disrespectful thing. That's why the obviously I haven't seen that Steve Kerr video, but things like that I think I think that's just like I think it's just kinda disrespectful, honestly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so cool, though, that Boston's riding this what 10 game winning streak after losing Gordon Hayward, because I thought that was so, so sad for Hayward. I mean, mm-hmm. he's trying. I know he left Utah, but it's like he's trying to build something new. And so the fact that the Celtics are, you know, maybe scaring the Cavs a little bit, at least that that kind of has made it a little more fun, I think, for fans as far as out in, in the Eastern Conference.
1: I love that there was all this just massive movement over the summer. I mean, this summer was so entertaining and there was so much movement, but the teams that are, some of the teams that are shocking everybody are like Detroit. They're like the second best team in the East right now. Like where, Mm -hmm. where did that come from? And Orlando playing well. (laughs) And Philadelphia is on like a five game winning streak. What wouldn't we be happy with a five game winning streak in Portland right now? You know, it's, it's, it's fun with everybody focusing on OKC and, you know, all the uh, Houston and all these teams, which are, you know they're going to be fine or whatever, but I just love the fact that it's kind of pivoted everybody's attention to some of these other markets for a while. Um, So we can like lavish a little bit of attention and love on some of these uh, teams that maybe at the end of the season aren't going to find themselves in the same place, but they might, but you know, it's, it's, I I like to uh, the beginning of the season when people pop up that you are not expecting. Yeah. No kidding.
2: Yeah. The big surprise for me this season has actually been Victor Oladipo He's someone who's been, like, really standing out. I mean, obviously, he was part of the Paul George trade. And he, I mean, he's averaging, like, seven points more than he was last season. Obviously, he's only a few weeks in. But still, he's close to 23 points a game. Like, that's something that, like, no one was expecting him to come out and and do that. Everyone was kind of like, oh, he just kind of got thrown onto this Pacers team that really didn't have anyone after Paul George left. Um, Super And then having him. Yeah, and then having him kind of stand out and take that, that like face of the franchise kind of and starting to take over that role and actually getting wins for that team like that's been really surprising. And um, again, like yeah, it's only twelve games in, so whether or not that's gonna last all season, who knows? But uh, just the fact that he's been able to do that for the like last twelve games or however many like that's been very impressive to me. I'm really
1: kind of shocked at the. Um the decline of the bulls. I mean, wow. (laughs) I mean, I guess (laughs) I I shouldn't be shocked, but you know, uh, you know, like you were saying, you know, about the, the Paul George trade and, and Victor Oladipo being a part of that. And everyone, you know, people always have really strong opinions as short, as soon as a trade comes out. And there's always one team that's the clear winner. And the other team that nobody can possibly imagine how anybody could have possibly entered into that trade. It's so lopsided. And then Time goes by and, you know, life happens and things even out a little bit more. But I can't see any way that the Chicago Bulls have won anything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, they had a rough summer. They had a very rough (laughs) summer.
1: (laughs) One of the things about the Cavs that people are talking about is everybody always says, as long as LeBron is there, you can't uh, count out the Cavs, like as long as LeBron is on that team, you know, he can just will anything to happen. And I thoroughly believe that. But LeBron is also 32. And I, I strongly believe that he could play till he's 40 and be amazing. But at some point, there's going to be a new face to this league. So who do y'all think are some good candidates for the new face of the the next face of the NBA?
0: Giannis Antetokounmpo, hands down. The Greek freak man, he's, oh, he's so athletic, and he—he's been showing this season that uh, he—I mean, he's worked on his three-point shot, which is like the only thing I felt like Tara he couldn't—he couldn't do. I mean, he can play defense. He's so lengthy. Um, and I just want to hear people try
2: and pronounce his name, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I've—I've um, I've had this conversation a lot recently, and I think that Giannis is a really. I think he definitely is a front runner for that. Um, but kind of the argument I've heard against him is that he, well, one, he's in a uh, a small market, which that definitely will hurt him. Um, whether or not he's going to stay in that mm-hmm. on that team forever, obviously, like I don't, I personally don't think he's going to stay with the Bucks mm-hmm. for his whole career. Um, but I also there's the the issue of kind of his personality, which obviously he has a great personality, but he's not as vocal as some of the other people who have been the faces of the league and I feel like that's kind of part of the dig almost it's like you kind of have to play the part to, um, not just have the skill behind it because I, I think that there are definitely times where obviously um, LeBron is the best player in the league right now but I don't necessarily believe the face of the league is always the best player it's kind of who At some point, maybe they were the best player, but maybe they aren't currently, but there's just some sort of hype around them for some reason. And I think Giannis, he's just not very vocal. I think he has the personality. He just doesn't show it very often. So I think that's kind of a downfall for him. But someone who I've been saying, which it's too early to tell, but I would love to see someone like Ben Simmons come up up and take that spot. I think he's definitely someone that could do that, because especially when you hear him talk and you see him um, try to do interviews and things like that. I think he's someone who could definitely be looked at in a couple years as someone possibly taking that. Um, obviously, yeah, did a little early to tell, but he's always been kind of in the back of my mind when this conversation comes up.
0: Kendall, you're not going to say Lonzo Ball? Oh. <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah, so that's... Yeah, people say that as Lonzo. I'm, I am the first person to say I am not on the Lonzo bandwagon. So... <laughs> I, I think that the hype around him is going to fade real fast. And I think that without his dad, there is no hype around Lonzo. So I think that's going to give it like two more years. And
1: I think Lonzo's going to end up a fine player. Um, I don't think he's probably going to maybe reach the ceiling that his dad has been planning for him. Um, but one of the things that always that fascinates me about, about the Lonzo story is, you know, people saying, you know, that, that uh, Lavar is making it so hard on Lonzo and also people at the same time saying, but Lonzo's like such a like great, even killed kid. I think it's almost like, possible that this could accelerate some of his development the fact that everybody just wants to come in and crush him on the first night like everybody if everybody approaches him like Patrick Beverly did and they just bring the absolute most they possibly can carry you know the first time they play him i don't know i i sometimes think you know maybe that's like a good thing for him because he'll just have to take care of that right away. Now, whether he can survive making it through all of that, I guess is another thing. But it seems like if he can make it through everybody bringing their best night after night after night, I don't know, maybe he'll... I don't think he's necessarily the next next face of the NBA, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, do you think we have time for doing some um, some quick questions?
2: Yeah. I, was I think weird... we should probably go through this. Kendall and
1: I are trying to figure out like, uh, you know, different segments to do for the podcast. And we can't come up with like a really good name for this segment. Um, So we're going to call it like knee jerk reaction segment. So (laughs) just really, really fast, uh, you know, quick answers. We're not going to discuss everyone deeply, but just like, you know, quick answers. So should we take turns asking him, Kendall?
2: Yeah, sure. Okay. So who do you think is going to score the most points in a game this year? Jamie, we'll let you answer I, that first. I'm going
0: first. Knee-jerk reaction.
1: You know what? I, Damien Lord came to mind, so there
2: we awesome. go.
0: Let's do it. Yeah.
1: I think, I think LeBron is going to have a, like a 75 point game, like one of his last games in like, it's going to be like a Cleveland, it's going to be like, it's going to be like a Devin Booker situation. It's going to be like one of the last games in Cleveland and everyone's going to be afraid. It's going to be LeBron's last game before he leaves. And so they're just going to feed him the ball all night and it's going to be crazy. And everyone's going to go nuts and he's going to score like 75 points.
2: Yeah, I should definitely see that happening. Um, I think kind of with what we were talking about before with Giannis. I think with the season he's having so far, I think oh he gosh. has a lot to prove right now. And I think he's, yeah, I mean, he's already averaging over thirty points right now. So I think he's gonna come out and have one monster game. And yeah,
1: he can pretty much score at will. It's amazing. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Seriously. yeah. No one, no one can stop him. So,
1: okay. Next question: Who's gonna get the most technical fouls this season?
0: Can I say the Warriors team? Um, no, I would go. Oh, it's hard because I go back. I think I still feel like DeMarcus Cousins <laughs> still. Yeah, that was the guy that pops in my head. So I'll go with him.
2: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Definitely Cousins or I mean, you can't also rule out Draymond for that. I yeah. think <laughs> the lead just kind of against him in that way. Um he's, he's always done to get technical fouls, but I think, yeah, I think cousins is definitely up there.
1: I cousins, I think is leading right now early on in the season, but I think, uh, I don't know. It seems like Kevin Durant has been playing pretty mad these days. I don't know that he's going to lead the, in the Good most point. technicals, but I think he's going to get a lot. Okay. Favorite, uh, NBA rivalry, either, either between teams or players or whatever. Oh gosh. Um
0: I always think when I think about this Blazer fan base and the hashtag beat LA, like that even though the Lakers have not been relevant, it's still such a fun rivalry because especially the the older Blazer fans, they just oh, they hate their like the Lakers so much. And I, I love to see that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I actually read, I think it was a Bleacher Report article recently that was, like, the top rivalries in the league right now. And the one that I found really funny was, it was Mark Cuban versus the refs, um, which I think (laughs) is hysterical. Um, So I I had to bring that up. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that I was going to say the Blazers and Lakers one just because that obviously affects me. And I'm actually going to be in L.A. next semester. So um, I've been joking and saying, like, I'm going to, like have to walk around and not wear blazer stuff if I just want to, like, lay low and not have to deal with anything, and, um, so that's, to me, an interesting one. Are they
1: going to be playing anytime you're there? Because you should totally go!
2: Yeah, so, yeah, I'm trying to intern for something out, like, something in there, so I might be, who knows, I might be interning for the Lakers or Clippers, and I have to kind of fake my support. Uh (laughs) smile my way
1: through and <laughs> well, we will have our fingers crossed that would be super yeah. exciting
2: yeah i
1: love the the calves and the team from the bay area rivalry so much i want it to go on forever oh. i think uh i'm you know I, I wasn't a huge fan during the uh los angeles boston uh rivalry but you know if they can drag this one out for a long time i think it could be really entertaining Yeah, I think
0: most of NBA fans in general, like if they don't really have a team that they support. I mean, I grew up in Washington, so like my family is the Supersonics team, you know, and so now it's like my little brother's like, all right, I'll watch the Warriors because I don't have a team anymore, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're just hopping on the bandwagon, but he just enjoys watching them. He does enjoy watching the Blazers as well, but he, he tells me, he likes he likes Steph Curry, so I was like, okay, buddy. He's he's pretty young though, so he'll grow out of it, Tara. <laughs> he's got time, <laughs> You're
1: right? Okay, that's good.
2: So, kind of on the flip side of that, is what are your favorite NBA friendships? Kind of like between players right now. Uh, um, Tara, yeah. yeah. I
1: absolutely loved the road trip and podcast and I loved Channing Frye and Richard Jefferson together. And it makes me so sad that work has separated them now because the, the the road trip and podcast was amazing and I loved their friendship. They just made fun of each other all the time, but you could tell they just like, were so fond of each other.
0: Oh, that's cool. Um, just here locally, obviously I just think of Damon CJ, um, and how great of friends they are, but you know what when you brought that up
1: Tara about um was it a podcast that they used to do road tripping with Channing Fry and Richard Jefferson I'll have to look that up oh my um, gosh
2: so good tana it's, uh, it's on Undisputed, which is lebron's like site that he kind oh, of started yeah. yeah
1: okay cool um
0: but i was just remembering did you guys ever see last season the steven adams and Enos kanter videos <laughs> the, <laughs> <Yeah>. stash <Bros. laughs> the, the stash rose the stash Exactly, those were hilarious. Um, and promoting Russell Westbrook to be MVP, anyways, I thought those two have got a pretty great relationship. That's for sure.
1: It's unfortunate that they're not together. <laughs> not I know, either. I know. Another old favorite of mine was Rolo and Batum. I loved the two of those. Two. I, I always wanted to like have somebody make us like a sitcom about the two of them like sharing a flat together down on South Waterfront. I just thought that would be <laughs> so great. Uh, yeah, that would have been gold. Yeah. Well, let's we got to we got to wrap it up tonight. But, um, Jamie, since this podcast, Women's Hops and Talks, we are elevating the um, the voice of women who love basketball. And so the last question for you today is what woman inspires you who uh, is in the league or has to do with basketball?
0: i um, i got two because I couldn't pick. I couldn't pick just one. I do that a lot, though. I'm like,
1: oh, dang it. I need to be more decisive. Um, no, we want to get out the word about... so There's so many amazing women out there. We want to get the word out about all of them. Yeah, there are. Um,
0: and so this was actually my assistant um, basketball coach. She um, basically... Cause when I was in high school and middle school, I was not confident. That was a big thing is I never believed in myself. And I always called her Jude name her it's Judy Schomer. that was her name then now she's married but anyways she basically instilled in me that I can do it And I think that she she was so hard on me like I've, I'll start crying when I think about it because she was like so tough on me but she always believed in me and that's why I almost feel like she would like push me more or even yell at me more during practice you know like um tell me i'm not working hard enough but i i knew that she was just trying to to get me to be my best that i could be and anyways i'll never forget her and we still keep in touch and um I, yeah anyways i'm not good at explaining like all my own things it's funny tara i like to talk about the blazers and i like to report on other people but like talking about myself i'm like oh i don't i don't know i don't like the spotlight to do it. is
1: on you <laughs> yeah I'm like
0: oh Tara, i can't do it no <laughs> but you know, you're doing anyways. amazing oh thanks Sarah. <laughs> um and then so i just want to mention my great grandma because she's the was the biggest mariners fan the biggest seahawks fan the biggest sonics fan and i know that because of her i am where i am today because i mean this lady was like the First of all, she's the sweetest old lady. But when she was watching her games, oh look out world! Like she was screaming, she was scary. Like and um, no, she just got so into, um, especially the Mariners. I mean, she she could have been like Lou Pinella. Like you would be like, oh my gosh, Grandma, you're like going to knock over the bases or something. I don't know. But uh, I think watching her and seeing that passion for sports, like she just. Um, instilled that in me. So, when I watch my Gonzaga games, that's kind of how I am too.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. I bet those two women are so proud of you and what you have accomplished. That's wonderful. Thank you. Well, I am so
0: proud of this podcast. Like, I think it's so awesome what you and Kendall are doing, and I want you guys to to keep it up and it's
1: awesome and I am just honored to be on the podcast today. Well, you got us off to a great start. Kendall, any last words or questions for Jamie before we let her go?
2: No, I think I'm all good. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thank you guys. And uh, yeah, keep working with this podcast. And I would love to be a guest like later in the season, like we can catch up, you know. (laughs) So that's awesome. Okay, well, thanks, guys. And I will just uh, talk to you soon. It was nice to meet you, Kendall. It was nice to
2: meet you, too. Okay. Okay. Bye. Well, thank you so much for listening. This has been the first episode of Women's Hops. You can find us every couple weeks. We'll be putting new episodes on the Blazers Edge website, as well as some of our other social media sites like Facebook and Twitter.
1: Yeah, Kendall, you've been helping out with the Blazers Edge Facebook page. Is that
2: right? Yes, I have been.
1: Yeah. So, people can follow Blazers Edge at Blazers Edge. Um, visit at blazersedge.com. Find Blazers Edge on Facebook. I am on Twitter at TCB Biggs, or you can type in Team Mom Rip City and I will also pop up. Uh, do you have any social media handles you want to share?
2: Oh uh, Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, TendleBennett16. Uh, um, I spell my name a little different. It's K E N D Y L. And yeah, I mostly just tweet about the NBA, honestly. So, uh, to if you're listening to this, you'll probably like a lot of the stuff I'm tweeting about.
1: <laughs> I didn't know there was other, other stuff to tweet about.
2: I know. My feed is basically just, it's mostly just retweets and responses to, to other NBA accounts.
1: <laughs> well, awesome. This has been really fun, Kendall. Thank you so much for joining me, um, being my co-host in this. I'm looking forward to uh, cranking out a bunch of really good episodes. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we will catch you in a few weeks.